end of when we can sign up uh, for that. Leanne is a coordinator. Just call her and ask her. Uh, we showed it last night. You've seen it before, but uh, people are still signing up. Three, I think two or three people signed up in the service last night to go. They hadn't uh, really thought about it ahead of time. And uh, just does you good. Last week we were able to be at a church convention, and uh, Eldon and, and uh, Twyla Tracy were there with us. Pastor Harry, uh, Jennifer, uh, Donna Schmidt, and uh, in fact, uh, Matthew Thomas just and his wife uh, Elizabeth, they just flew in from India Monday, got right on a plane and headed out to be at that convention as well. We've just been sitting all week in the presence of the Lord, and somehow I just like for that to, to just be here for us, that we're in the presence of the Lord. We're in September, we go down to the Allstate Arena. Does you good to just gather with thousands of people, or the ladies in October. Just let you know you're part of something that's getting ready to go to heaven. If you don't like crowds, get ready for heaven because people from every nation, tribe, nine, uh, kindred, people, and tongue are going to be there, and we're going to be there. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer as we look into God's Word this morning. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you for the fact that we can be in your presence. Lord, I want to thank you that you know each of us individually. Whether we're close to you or not, you know us by name. You know the minute details of our history, Lord. You care passionately about things that happen to us. Lord, and that's why we come into your presence. That's why we pray this morning. Because we need a relationship with you. We want a relationship with you. And I just pray, oh God, you're going to speak to our hearts from the word of God. Let us see this morning your care. Know <clears throat> that you love us. If there's anybody that feels they're not special or they don't know God or God doesn't know them, I pray, God, you'll reveal this as we open the word together. And everybody said amen. <clears throat> amen. This morning I want to call the sermon uh, for this morning Devotional Differences. A lot of that title as I was uh, med- meditating on this and coming to their sermon notes in your bulletin, I believe. And um, devotional differences. And there's a verse that's especially meaningful uh, to me since I discovered it in the Word of God. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 21. And we're reading from the NIV version. Just ask a question. Who is he who will devote himself to be close to me, declares the Lord. Who is the person that will devote themselves to be close to me, declares the Lord. And the very next verse says, so, if that happens, God says, you will be my people and I will be your God. Hallelujah. I can't think of a better way to go to heaven. I can't think of a better way to live than, hey, we're his people. He is our God. And he is asking a question here from the prophet Isaiah. Who is he that will devote himself to be close to me, declares the Lord. Closely related to that question is a more familiar verse found in the book of Deuteron- or, excuse me, Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. Probably heard this before where it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. The old translation says, The eyes of the Lord run throughout the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This is going to be a message this morning about our heart being fully committed or ourself being close to the Lord. And these two scriptures together, being close to the Lord, devoting ourselves, give the concept that God, even at this moment, Sunday morning here at Christian Life Church, 
He's looking all over and seeing his people, people he created. And among all the pursuits in life that we can give ourselves to, whether it be athletic excellence, because, boy, once you get into that field, you really are committed. Maybe business excellence, uh, succeeding what you do in your specialized field. Maybe your goal is amassing great wealth or to be a tremendous success or political power or or philosophical pursuits, whatever your dream and ambition might be, God is asking, if in the midst of our plans, in the midst of our goals in life, good as they might be, are there men, are there women, who will give their heart and life over to being close to me, says the Lord. No matter what your goals are in life, would you be willing to give yourself completely to be close to the Lord. Or Jeremiah uh, 33, who is, or 30, verse 21, who is he or she that will devote himself or herself to be close to me, say the Lord. You know, I find this is amazing that the God of the universe, the God who created the earth and created all of us and everything that's in the earth is looking at his creation, <laughs> that he made to find somebody, one of those people that he created, who will devote themselves to spending time with a God that created them in the first place. Do you get the relevance of this? Amazing. God created. When I consider that God is looking for people who would be willing to do that, in one sense it seems to be astonishing to me, astonishing, that God should have to look or seek anybody to do it. He made us. He placed us here. He's blessed us. He's given us these things. Seems to me like we should be lining up to meet with the Great One. We should be worshiping, as we sang this morning, Thou art worthy, with majesty on high. We should be saying, how do I get in? How do I get that invitation? How do I get that ticket? I was amazed when... uh, here in Chicago, the Stanley Cup uh, was being played for um, recently. Was it last month, two months ago, something like that? And the difficulty that there were getting tickets to go see the Blackhawks play in the playoffs. It was almost impossible to get a ticket. Even standing room only went for a horrendous price. I heard on StubHUD, uh, StubHUD one uh, day that one couple had two tickets that they were offering for the Stanley Cup playoffs, two tickets for $13,500. That me, that's outrageous, but people wanted those tickets. Seems like responding to God's invitation would be more valuable than Blackhawk tickets or attending a Cubs game. Seems like those would be kind of the tickets that would be impossible to get with all of his creation that people would be lining up. Yet in the course of history... It's amazing that uh, we've just kind of let this go by the, the wayside. In the course of training our children, or in the course of our Christian life, that this amazing invitation of God, God who knows us best, amen, God who loves us the most, God who provides everything for us, God whose wisdom is far beyond understanding, that he is desiring a relationship with us that people would devote themselves unto him. 
And the fact is, this whole notion of relating to him, almost in teaching our children, it becomes a burden or, or an obligation that we lay on people's back. We ask our children, have you had your devotions today? It's almost like, have you brushed your teeth today? Did you make your bed this morning? Did you have your devotions before you went to school? And, and when I look at it like that, I say, where have we gotten off track? Where, where have we gotten off? Why has devotion become an obligation and a chore instead of the delight of our life? Coming into his presence. You know, anybody knows me, you know I love to worship. Just coming into his presence, we ought to be lining up to do that. So if God is almighty, created us, has invited us to come, and it's so wonderful when we get there, why has devotions to God become an obligation? Well, when I answer the question why, number one, I'm put it on the screen up here. It can't be the who. It cannot be, the problem cannot be with who, the one we're seeking. The problem is not with God. He is okay, amen? He is almighty. So the problem is not with the perfect one. I don't believe the problem is with God. It's not the who that is at fault, because God created us with something in our heart that wants to relate to him. It should be our highest joy. When you're in the presence of God, you never feel more alive than when everything is fine between you and him. More love than when we're relating to God and our creator. There's no higher joy for us than that. And it was like, since all of America, North America has become a celebrity-oriented culture, that we would just naturally be inclined to worship the celebrity of celebrities. Amen? I've not had much experience meeting celebrities because I just pastor a little church and stay here primarily. So I haven't met a lot of big deals. Maybe you have and could tell some good stories. But uh, I recently have been thoroughly engrossed with a, in reading an offer that I heard, an author that I heard speak recently at a convention I was privileged to go to in Canada. His name is Gary Thomas, and I've enjoyed hearing him speak and I bought some of his books and started reading some of his writings. And he told about a couple celebrity experiences he had had. He says, I don't have any of my own. I'm going to use his example because so much better. I, I, never mind. Um, number one was when he got a call from a publisher and, and they invited him to do a book on Michael W. Smith. You know, Michael W. Smith, the singer. And uh, so he was being asked if he would be willing to write this book on Michael W. Smith. And uh, Gary's wife uh, was listening in as he was talking on the phone. And they were talking about when they would meet and uh, go over the details, when uh, Gary could meet his family, if he could come to the home of Michael W. Smith and, and get started, get acquainted. And he said the longer he talked, the bigger his, eye, his wife's eyes got. Just got bigger and bigger when she realized what this phone call was all about. When he hung up the phone, she said, you know, Gary, uh, this could be great for your career as a writer. And, and uh, you really should have an assistant to take along with you <laughs> as you go to, to meet Michael W. Smith. And uh, then she added, you know what? I just happen to be free that week. Uh, this is really big. We ought to do this together. Gary said, that's when he realized that he and Michael W. Smith had something in common. He said, it's not the voice, if you'd ever heard him sing. He's 
not the voice, not the hair, if you've ever seen his picture, because he was going bald. He said he realized that both of their wives seemed to be in love with Michael W. Smith, <laughs> or at least fascinated with him. Another celebrity experience he told about that was really interesting was when he was working on a project with uh, Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham. And this was the last day they were working on this the project, and they weren't finished. And that morning, Franklin Graham got a call from his assistant saying that Franklin's parents were expecting him for dinner that night. And Gary's ears perked up when he heard Franklin say, hey, we are not yet finished with the project. So then he added, how would it be if I brought Gary Thomas with me and we could continue to work on the plane, Franklin and his own pilot, and we could work there, have dinner with my parents, and then uh, work on the way back so we could get this project done. Gary's mind began to race. Wow, how cool is that? That he would have a private dinner with Billy Graham, Ruth Graham, and Franklin Graham in their North Carolina uh, retreat. That nobody gets to do that because in his later years, uh, they've had to really quit granting personal meetings with Billy Graham. It just tires him out too much in his old age. And Gary's mind just began to work overtime. He was scheduled to fly out later that night, he said. And he said, you can always get an airline to fly you from Seattle to North Carolina for about $350 if you shop around. Uh, if you want to change your flight in an emergency, you might have to pay up to another $1,500 to get that done. He said to himself, I don't care. Plop down the credit card. We'll figure it out later. And I want to be at that dinner with Billy Graham. And then he remembered that he had planned to be home the next day, so he had some appointments. And he thought, no problem, he was sure. Any appointment he had, he could explain to them that he had to choose between meeting with them or having a private dinner with Billy Graham. So he just said, I chose Billy. <laughs> and he knew there wasn't a friend or an appointment that wouldn't understand. He was willing to pay any cost, even offend a friend if necessary, for this experience of having dinner with celebrity. The, the man who was probably the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. Probably wore, won more souls to Jesus Christ than anybody in the past century. And while it happened that day, they made better progress than they thought they would. And it got done sooner, so he didn't have to prolong the project past that day. So he missed what he called the dinner of a lifetime. He said, I think I should have drugged my feet a little bit and gone a little slower. Maybe I could have worked it out. But he knew he shouldn't, so he didn't. And then on the way home, God began to speak to him. And God challenged him. He hadn't cared how much it cost. He was willing to pay it just to have that meeting with a celebrity. He didn't care who he offended or who he had to put off. He was sure they would understand. And God just spoke to him, every day there is a greater than Billy Graham, who is all brilliance, who is totally invisible, who is real. His glory outshines the greatest celebrity on this earth. And his eyes are looking over the whole earth, saying, is there a man, is there a woman who will devote themselves to being close to me? He was willing to do it just for a dinner. How about God? 
So the point I'm making, it can't be the who. So it must be the how. The who is not the problem. He's not the problem. But perhaps it's the way that we describe or present being dedicated to the Lord or to people. Maybe it's a method that we put on people if they're going to be close to God or, or what they should have to do or how we teach our children. And, and all of our good intentions trying to help people relate to the Lord. I think so many times we come up with pat little formulas. You can buy little books on how to meet with God. You can buy books on our quiet time and how to have a quiet time. Here's how you pray. Here's when you pray. Here's what we pray for. Here's how you study the, the Bible. This is what you should do when you read the scriptures. And so we come up with a cookie-cutter form of spirituality. The problem is God doesn't create cookie-cutter Christians. We all have different lives. We have different temperaments. We have different dispositions. And there's an astonishing uh, array of people that God fills his churches with. As I pastor, I realize we are not all the same, but we need to honor his creativity. In all of us as individuals, God has made us, and we honor him by devoting ourselves, whatever our way is, to be close to the Lord. And we need to honor that as well, because we're all different in our likes, in our habits, in our way of doing things, we need to relate to God some way in our uniqueness because we're all unique. I have to admit, and those of you, some of you have known me for a long time, that in my younger days I've been rather rigid in being a Christian. This is how people ought to draw near to God because I know how they ought to see God. I knew how we ought to be worshiping God. I know how we ought to have our devotions. It should be just like I have my devotions. Right? Uh, when we ought to have devotions, uh, the place to have devotions, uh, what we should do if we're going to draw near uh, to God. And I could point to a verse here and there in the Bible what to do. I have other ones what not to do if we're going to draw close to the Lord. And as I look at my back at my younger, more rigid days, I can imagine God was up in heaven laughing. You think so? And uh, maybe through the years, at least I hope, I've broadened my understanding and uh, what it means to draw near to the Lord. Now, me, I like to get up early in the morning. I think that's good. Have my time with the Lord before the phone starts to ring in the morning. Best time of the day, for me at least. I don't know why everybody doesn't do that. But in working with Pastor Darrell, I have learned that everybody doesn't get up early. In the morning. He's never been up by 7 o'clock. But he'll be reading and studying and preparing messages at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, the night before. And I had to laugh when I heard this speaker that I'm referring to, Gary Thomas, describe his experience in learning how to broaden, broaden his concept of how people have their devotions. And he told the story of of when he met his wife and they were going together, how different they were in all kinds of areas. He even illustrated how different they are in food. I won't take you time not today to tell you that, but it was so funny. Um, in eating. But he said she was a dynamite Christian. He wouldn't have been interested in her if, if she wasn't. But when it came to their devotional life, 
He was convinced you had to get up early to seek God. Had to be seeking God at least by 7 a.m. before everybody else got up. Because after that, God was awful, awful busy. He might be in China or Russia handling some world crisis. Get his attention quick. Because after all, it says that Jesus got up early in the morning to commune with his father. What does it say in the Bible? Jesus got up a good while before dawn and went out to, to a solitary place to pray. That's the way he ought to do it. Amen? All the classical mystics got up early in the morning denying self and sought God. When I go to India, all the students in the seminary, the Bible college, they have prayer 4.45 in the morning. Matthew Thomas, the director, says, if you're not here, you don't belong in school here. We are going to pray at 5 o'clock in the morning every day. So it's just great. I mean, I think it's great. That's just the way you do it. But Gary's future wife, Lisa, was not that way. She didn't get up before 7 o'clock. No way. She barely made it out of bed, he said, for the first class. She wasn't very even conscious till she had a cup of coffee. But in college, her classes went to about noon, and then after lunch, she would go up on the roof of the dorm, lay in the sun, read her Bible, and pray. And he said, and she called that a quiet time. To him, to him it seemed like she was cheating by doing it that way. He said, who goes up on the rooftop at noon to pray and call that their devotion? They had a lot of discussion about that and a proper way to have devotions. Well, several weeks went by, he was telling his story. And one day there was a knock on his door. And his future wife, Lisa, was standing there with a smug look on her face. And she just held her Bible out for him to read. I'm going to put it on the head. And she had it open to Acts 10.9. She showed him the verse in the Bible about noon... About noon, Peter went up on the housetop to pray, and she had written her initials in by that verse. He just stood there speechless. He said, what's the odds of that? A verse in the Bible. Who goes, he said, who goes up on the rooftop to pray at noon? And she comes up with none other than the apostle Peter. So, what do you say? Uh, he could just see God up in heaven like I said, laughing at his rigidity. So there must be more than one way to have devotions. And I think it's very interesting that we come to that place. I want to make the application from Scripture. In my Father's Day message a couple of weeks ago, I, uh, if you weren't here, please get the CD or else listen to it on the website. But I gave five different ways that father and their children could relate to each other. All unique, everyone different, and there were many more in Scriptures. In Scripture, there is a vast array of ways that God's people devoted themselves to God, all the way through the Bible. No formal rules or regulations. I want to give you a few. Number one, let's look at Abraham to start with. I'm going to put it up on the board, the people. Number one, Abraham. He liked to build altars wherever he went. And God would meet him. God would meet him in the, in the promised land because he was... He was scouting out the land God was going to give him. When God would meet, he would build an altar. And he'd move on to the next place. He'd build another altar. And uh, I don't know, maybe he likes to just chisel on rocks or something. Maybe he had a, a brickling uh, bent or something. 
But he built altars whenever he signified the Lord had been close to him. That's Abraham. Secondly, I mentioned King David. He was not building altars. He was tearing everything down. Remember in my Father's Day message, I said he was God's warrior. He was out challenging God's enemies. He was conquering, tearing down things. He was going to change the land. wasn't pleasing to God. He'd redo it. But at the end of David's life, David desired to build God a temple. Different form of worship. And God sent a prophet said, I don't want you to build me a temple. Why? You're my warrior. Nothing wrong with being a warrior. I needed you to fight my battles. But I don't want you to build the temple. You're a man that's been killing people. I want your son Solomon. That would be my third example up here. Solomon. I want Solomon to build my temple. Here's God, very specifically, telling a father, you can help lay the groundwork. You can get all the materials ready, but your son will build my temple. In other words, your son will worship God differently than you did. David, you had my ark in a tent. You didn't have a place to put it. You put a tent over my dwelling place. And now I'm going to abide in a temple, and my glory will fill that temple. Just like my glory filled the tabernacle when I had Moses build me a tabernacle in the wilderness. Now it's time for a temple here. And see, what I'm saying is each of us will respond to and relate to God in the way that God can speak to us and use us. Let me again illustrate with Pastor Darrell myself. Pastor Darrell and I are two different individuals, two different people, if you haven't noticed that before. He doesn't even look like me. He is my son. But we're both called, and we're both serving the Lord. We're both hearing from God for his work in a unique sphere of ministry. And I had to realize that Pastor Darrell and I approach God in our life and approach our ministry in the church even differently. I was called to lay the groundwork, lay the foundation for Christian life, get everything ready. I believe Pastor Darrell has been raised up by God to lead us in God's plan for this century where we are now, to take us on. We both have a burning passion to see God's work built. In this house, we have entirely different styles. Uh, we have the same conviction, the same principle, God leading us, and we haven't compromised. He hasn't compromised one thing of what we've talked about in the past. We both, I believe, have come to the kingdom for such a time as this before, uh, before God. And that uh, we are called to see God's house built. We just have different roles, a different approach in following God's leading. Well, what did Solomon do when he was dedicating the temple that God told him to build? You know what he did? He killed and offered a thousand bulls unto the Lord. Instead of killing a thousand Philistines like his father David had done. Remember, David killed a thousand Philistines. He offered up a thousand bulls. Because he's not fighting the battle of the Lord. He's establishing a worshiping place in the temple. Laying the groundwork for the future kingdom. And now Solomon could take what David built. And he could build the kingdom of God. Which would be the future of the people. And as I thought of that thing through. I thought really amazing. That God was not offended. That Solomon did it different than David. David was a man after God's own heart. But when he built the temple, God was so pleased that his glory filled the temple. 
People couldn't even stand there to minister because God was there. And he told Solomon he was so pleased with what he had done. He said, ask whatever you want and I will give it to you. If you read through the prophets in the Old Testament, so many different approaches. Hosea, what God told him, go out and marry a prostitute and she won't be faithful. But I want to illustrate to you how I will be faithful even though my people turn my back, their back on me time and time again. What a different approach. Jeremiah, he told him, go out and bury some of his clothes uh, by the river in the sand. Just bury it and leave it there. And God said later, go dig it up. He dug it up. And he found that it all rotted because it had been in the moist ground by the river. And what's God saying to them? God used that as an illustration to show them their, their righteousness is filthy rags. It's worthless before God. They need to depend upon him. Another prophet was Daniel. Daniel who was there in the captivity and prophesied. What was his method of devotion? Go by an open window three times a day and pray toward God and to his holy city. Different approaches by different people. And for last thing this morning, just to wrap this up, I want to skip to the New Testament for another way of showing love and devotion for God. And this is found in the story of Mary and Martha at their home in Bethany. Uh, where Jesus often retreated. And Mary had a different way of drawing near and showing her affection for Jesus. It says in the Gospels in Luke chapter 10 that Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was just sitting in his presence. That's how she worshipped him. It was a picture of utter devotion. While her sister Martha is running all through the house, busy serving and working and taking care of the chores, getting everything ready. And Martha comes to Jesus and says, tell Mary, my sister, to come and help me. Lord, I am trying to serve you. And then what did Jesus say? No, Martha, that's your way. That's the way you express your love. You're in there doing things, and, and that's great for you. But this is Mary, and, and she does it this way. She just sits at my feet. She's more contemplative. While you're a doer, you're a servant. See the different types of people? She's more contemplating. You know, I cannot imagine, when I thought of that scene, I cannot imagine Jesus looking down at, at Mary and saying, Mary, don't look at me so much. You know, kind of creeping me out. Don't just sit there and look at me. You want to show your love? Why don't you go out and build me one of those altars like Abraham did? That was really cool. Man, that was great. I liked that because I knew that he really loved me when he built an altar. Why don't you go build an altar? Or don't want to do it? show your courage, Mary. Why don't you go out and attack the Lord's enemies in Israel like David did? That was great. Say so you can't do it because you're a woman. Hey, go back and read and judge it about Deborah. She was a woman and she did it, totally wiped out the Canaanites for me. She did a great job. Or um, at least, Mary, why don't you offer a bull? Solomon gave me a thousand bulls. Couldn't you at least bring one to me? You're just sitting there doing nothing. And you call that loving? The Lord can say, I'm just people showing their love. Do it all the way through the Old Testament. They did something. And we kind of laugh when we think about a ridiculous thing like that. But God, throughout a scripture, recorded love in different ways. Does God really care if you get up early to pray? 
or if you can meet him later in the day when you're more awake. Does God pray if, care if you really literally go to your closet and shut the door all alone early in the morning? Or would he rather see you at your kitchen table after the kids are off to school and you're all alone? He just wants to meet with you. I think he's more interested in that to pray than how you pray or when you pray or where you pray. He just wants you to pray. Come into his presence. Does God really care if you can meet him when you're all alone or if you really meet him better in a small group where you know the people and they care about you and you care about them and there's a relationship and you really know the presence of God is there? Does God care if you study on your own surrounded by commentaries and devotional books or making a pilgrimage to, a pilgrimage to Oxford like Pastor Darrell's? Uh, going to do. That's the joy of his life. To me, I'd just rather stay in my office where I'm surrounded by books. In fact, you can't really get in my office. There's so many books. But the, the point is, me, I'd rather just get up early and commit my day to the Lord. But I want you to see that God had a lot of ways. And if your devotional time is, is more meaningful uh, when you're driving to work, listening to a CD of the scripture, and you're meditating on his word. Or if you're running around the neighborhood with plugs in your ears listening to worship music. Maybe it's like Mary, just to sit there. Or like David who walked in God's word and and wrote psalms. Wrote, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In thy law do I meditate day and night. Well, David said, I'm like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth my fruit in my season. My leaves are not going to wither, and whatsoever I do it shall prosper. Psalms 1, becoming a reality as you live the thing out. Does God really care if your heart goes up to, to him in worship when, you, when, when you're taking a walk, or when you're driving your car, or when you're home alone, or when you walk into a cathedral? Whether your eyes are closed tight, shutting out all the world, Or just a heart that's adoring him on a regular basis. He just wants you to be there. To meet with him. My message is called Devotional Differences. We're all uniquely created. God knows just how we are made. He knows who we are. How we can best relate to him. And we don't have to try to be somebody else primarily he's more interested in in the fact that we do relate rather than how we relate. That each one of us would have a close, personal, meaningful, continual relationship with God and with our Creator. Find your way to draw close to God. Let him draw near to you as his eyes go through the whole earth. I pray when we come to church that as his eyes are going through all the churches are gathering on Sunday morning. I want him to see a light of worship coming from people who are devoted from him. I want him to see people that are anxious to be in the presence of the God of the Lord. No matter how you do it, we're all different. But let's come and seek God until we're really found of him, really in his presence. Before we close this morning, and go back out into the, the busy world. Just want, I want us to sing just quietly without any music or anything. 
an old hymn, Draw Me Nearer, Nearer to Your Side, Lord. And I want us just to take a moment and sit here. Sometimes I feel we preach and then we just go on out. I want us just to sit in His sanctuary. If I could, I'd turn the lights down low. I want us to just talk seriously between us and the Lord, personally, between us and Him. And I want you to ask the Lord, how do I spend my time with you, Lord? How do you want me to spend my time? How do you want me to meet with you? How did you create me? I want to say to you this morning that there are some men here who just say, hey, I'm different than my wife in how I approach God. Or there'll be be wives who say, I'm different than my husband. Or I'm different than my parents. I'm different than a friend. But Lord, if you're looking for me, if you're waiting for me, somehow show me personally that I myself can devote myself to be closer to God. I want us just to shut our eyes, or maybe you want to look up to him or kneel. I'm not telling you how to do it, but I want you to spend a minute in just quietness, talking over with the Lord, listening to him, because I really don't want to just preach sermons and have them just be sermons. I just want to share my heart with this one that God wants us. He's looking for us to devote ourselves. How does God want to meet with you? Could we renew a way? Could we find a way this morning that I can meet and devote myself to be close to the Lord? Hallelujah. Lord, just speak to every heart right now. Lord, just bless every person in this place, oh God. By your Spirit, I pray. God, deal with us right now that we might draw close. Help us, Lord, that we can devote ourselves to you. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to devote myself to you. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise on the wings of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Did you make it your prayer this morning? Draw me nearer, dear blessed Lord, to the cross. Where thou hast died, draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. I love this second verse. Consecrate. Me now to thee.
to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Just stand with me if we sing one more verse, oh, the pure delight of just a single hour. And I trust that God's spoken to you how you can find. May not start with an hour, 15 minutes, whatever it's going to take, but that you might devote yourself to the Lord this morning. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Lord, I pray as we close this service this morning that you would just consecrate each one of us to say, yes, Lord, I will be one of those people that will devote myself to spend some time with you. Thank you, Lord, for making each one of us different. Forgive me, Lord, for not recognizing that sometimes, but I thank you, Lord, that you can call each one of us to be exactly how and when and where you want to meet with us as individuals. Lord, may this message go with us. Maybe with us tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, throughout the week, that we can devote ourselves to being close to you. Amen. Closing, let me give you the ancient blessing that Pastor Darrell always gives. And I especially mean it this morning. May the Lord keep you and bless you. May the Lord bless you, keep you, May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may God give you his favor and give you his peace. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. Go in the message of the Lord and just draw near to the Lord this week. God bless all of you.
And thank you for being here this morning. May the Lord bless you. Anybody wants to pray at the altar? The altars are open if anybody wants to pray here. Amen.